where you and I can connect. It's a show that embraces a 360-degree look at womanhood. It's our voice, our perspective. It's what we care about, and it's how we feel. Empowerment through conversation is what it is. This is Full Circle. Family, welcome to another edition of Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. We are inside of the Men on the Move series, and I am super excited for today's show and the conversation with today's guest, new friend to the show, Danny Morrison. Family, I am so excited about this Men on the Move series. It has been going so well. Thank you again for all of your compliments, text messages, your DMs, all of the things telling me how much you've enjoyed it. And yes, we will be doing it again because there are so many dope men in the community doing things for the community. And I want to make sure to show the brothers because I always get men come to me and say, Miss Wanda, I listen to your show even though I'm not supposed to. I'm like, you're supposed to. Like full circle while we do talk issues that affect black women, you're part of black women's lives. If you you have a black woman in your life a woman in your life then full circle is for you too and so i wanted to show the men some love this month with the men on the move series if you've missed any of the past episodes make sure you're following miss wanda's full circle radio on your favorite podcasting platform and check out the past episodes they've been really good ryan mcclinton anthony dewan and our own mr smooth vibe leon gidry and today's guest danny morrison you could hear all of those past episodes so we're going to jump right into this because i am so ready for this conversation i have been looking forward to this for longer than the invite that i gave you danny to be honest (laughs) (laughs) the the first time i i heard you i was like oh i need i need to have this brother on my show so men on the move was kind of created around having you and a couple of other brothers really wanted to have these conversations with and so i came to know of danny's show through friend to the show robin ears robin Robin mm-hmm. was the very first anniversary guest on Full Circle. So happy Queen to have Robin. Her. Yes, yes. Miss Robin doing her thing down in L.A. with the Raw Report. Don't forget to catch up KBLA 6 p.m. every weekday of the week. Absolutely. Um, so I, heard, I came to KBLA for Robin. Mm-hmm. I stayed for you. I appreciate that. I stayed for the conversation. I was like, man, this this brother's different. Like, he is having some really impactful, thought-provoking conversations. He's challenging community. He's saying some of those things that, those conversations that we don't typically have in public or we don't even typically have at all. You were the source of many late nights. I stayed up till midnight to listen to your show. And oh, so, thank you so much. You know, it was just so such a wonderful thing. And so I was glad that you said yes and to come on to the show to have conversation with the Full Circle family. And family, again, if you don't know the name Danny Morrison, get to know it because this brother is doing some things out in the community, out in the world that is going to make a huge impact. Woo. So with that, welcome to Full Circle. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. That is like, you making a, a black man blush on Saturday morning. What's the deal? <laughs> Let me start by saying we appreciate you. Okay? In a world full of madness, negativity, just ratchetness, there's a whole lot going on right now. It is so comforting and beautiful, and some would even say godly, that you, on a regular basis, are out here putting out such positive, God-fearing products that we can indulge in and, and absorb, and we can learn 
We could talk amongst each other and just give love to one another. So what you've done is you've given people a platform and holding kings and queens in high esteem. That's what I try to always do. The fact that you're doing it and you've been doing it, we just want to give you love. And please continue doing it in any way that I can help. Let me know. Thank you. I appreciate that. So we start off every show with a guest introducing yourself to my audience, who I call the Full Circle Family. So if you would do the honor of introducing yourself to the Full Circle Family. People ask me that. I'm like, I I try to do it all. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I I go by the moniker media personality, but that has morphed into multimedia personality. I'm a writer. I'm a content creator. I'm a radio host. I'm an event host. I'm um. I'm just a God-fearing man that is doing everything in his power through the gifts that God has granted me to try to change one community at a time. I've been gifted with some some pretty strong gifts, and uh, God has told me from jump, he was like, I'm going to give you these, these talents, but don't go out there trying to monetize them and you know, get rich off of them. I want you to use them to empower people into each community. So that's what I try to do. Putting tags on myself is tough when I'm asked to do that. I just try to do everything that I can to help you. Yeah. You are a California native. You were born and raised in Bakersfield, California. Thank you. Talk yeah. about talk about your upbringing in Bakersfield and what was that like? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh man. You know my my uh my pastor mentor friend had me crying about an hour ago and it looks like you're going to take me there at some point today. <laughs> um I grew up in a pretty rough neighborhood back in Bakersfield. Um we were easily the the poorest neighborhood in Bakersfield at that time. I don't know if that's still true, but it definitely was. 98% black. I'm uh, one of six children. Uh, My mother's single mom. Uh, My father left when I was three years old, so I was pretty much fatherless the duration of my entire adolescence. Um, And I watched my mom just struggle. Like, just struggle. Like, it seems like, even though my mother did everything possible to try to get her education. She went back and got her education, got involved in education at that time. Uh, worked as many jobs as she could, did extra volunteer time at the church, and we never went without a meal. But it seems like every single day I was watching my poor mom just scrape and scratch to try to get her head above water. And seeing that as a young man, and seeing my father, you know, who was able to just go on and start another family, you know, and start a new and my mother's here with us six kids. It was just really, really difficult. I'll tell you a quick story. So uh, <laughs> probably telling too much if my sisters are watching right now. Um, so my mother had three children. It was my oldest sister, my second oldest, and then there was me. So my mother uh, and my father got divorced. And so my father went on, and like I said, started an entirely different family somewhere else, right down the street. Matter of fact, my father would steal the wife of his best friend, divorce my mom, steal the wife of his best friend, and marry her. Wow. Yeah. Papa was a rolling stone. Ooh. But then things get a little more complicated. My father would then come and have three more children post-divorce with my mom. <laughs> okay, he didn't roll too far away. Oh, my goodness. That's what I'm telling you. This is what I tell you when I say that my mom was a broken woman who was just trying to keep her head above water and do everything that she could to keep the lights on and keep us focused. But she was also in love with a man that just didn't want to love her back. 
So uh, time goes by, you know, I'm like six, seven years old, you know. And my father comes over one day. My father used to just show up, you know, and just randomly show up. We never knew. When that green Cadillac Seville would come around the corner, me and my siblings were just like, oh, my God. It was like Santa Claus. Like, oh, my God. Dad's coming. He would come over like once or twice a year. He would just show up, not even pay attention to us. If we're in the front yard or if we're in the living room, den or whatever, wouldn't just go straight back to my mom. Of course, they would do what they do in the bedroom. And he would just turn right around and bounce. So here I am, I'm a kid. Keep in mind, I grew up in the crack era. I grew up gang affiliation all in our neighborhoods, right? So I'm just trying to figure things out. Like, okay, fine. But I always paid attention to my mama watching what she went through through that entire experience. So the day when the rubber met the road, my father shows up. And my mom had got herself a boyfriend one day. White dude, by the way. And he rode a motorcycle, came over. He had a little cul-de-sac hair dude, you know, just like a, he was an older white cat. You know what I'm saying? So my, my mother gets his boyfriend, and I knew it was going to be a problem. I was like, when, when daddy show up, it's going to be a problem. So my father shows up. i never forget it. It was like it was yesterday. We were all sitting in the den or the living room area, you know. My father comes in, and my mom is like, I got a boyfriend. Whew. Mm. Mm. Nuclear fire. Send my kids out to me. I want to talk to my kids. I want to talk to my kids one at a time. I need to talk to my kids. Okay. So, you know, we all sitting in the living room looking outside the window trying to see while he's sitting in his car just fuming, you know, just blazing hot, you know. My older sister goes out there, jumps in the car. She's talking to him. We all in the window trying to see what he's saying to her. We can't tell. But we could tell that she's distraught. She comes in the house. We could tell that he told her something that just wasn't cool. My second older sister goes out there, sits in the car, you know. We, we watching all in the window trying to see what he's saying to her. And we could tell that he was saying something bad to her, too. She comes in the house crying, just upset, crying. And my mama's like, gone, Danny. I'm like, hmm. Mom, I don't want to go out there, Mama. I don't want to go out there. You know, I'm a kid. I'm like, I gotta be seven, maybe six. I don't want to go out there, Mama. I don't want to go out there. Go out there and talk to your dad. Well, my little nappy head behind goes out there. Ain't had no relationship with this man at all. I walk out to the car. I open the door. That green Cadillac's of it. I get inside. I close that door. I look up at this man who was Superman to me, regardless of his relationship with me, was Superman to me. He looks down at me and he goes, boy, seeing that your mama wants to go and get herself a boyfriend, from today on, you are no longer my son. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That hit me. Mm. Imagine what that does to a young black boy. Imagine. I was always jealous because I had a few friends around the neighborhood that had uh, either a stepfather or an uncle or the real father, you know, that were there with them, playing basketball with them, playing football with them, taking them to games and all that stuff. I didn't have that. Um, but I always had, once again, I always had my eye on my mother because I wanted to make sure that she was okay. I was seeing the pain that she went through. And 
let's not forget also trying to navigate through life. <laughs> like I said, crack era, drugs. I got to go to school. They would shit me out of my neighborhood and shit me to a, a white school because they didn't have the what they call the MG classes, m- mentally gifted. They call them gate program classes mm-hmm. now. I had to ship out of that neighborhood. Then I would come back to my black neighborhood and get teased and taunted all the time. And it was it was tough. But through it all, my mother kept us in church. The whole time. Kept us in church. And uh that's the best thing that ever happened to me is being able to grow up with God. I gotta tell you, because I know it's really cliche to say that you'd be dead or in jail, right? I'm here to tell you, it's totally true. If my mother didn't have us inside that church on a regular, and we went four, five, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, four, five days a week, prayer meetings, YPWW, choir meetings, Sunday service, it was just like, we might as well move in this place. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me, is her embedding that faith in my life to where I can now use my faith to try to show others that I don't care what you're going through. God is right there. And we always had God in our household. And we we went through some stuff in that neighborhood. But for some reason, we always had like God's huge umbrella over our household to where tragedy never, even though it creeped in every now and again, tragedy never took us. Never did. So that's kind of my story. Look, I'm, I'm trying. I told you, you're going to make me emotional oh, today. You're making me emotional. I, oh, my God. I wasn't planning to get emotional today, but if uh, we going to talk, we going to talk. I'm not here to mess around. Absolutely. Your seven-year-old mind and your father telling you this. You know, I know you watched your mother and, and you drew some strength from her. But as a boy, not having that. What did that do to you growing up? And did you find any men to gravitate to that could kind of pull you under their wing and help you as you were growing into a young man? Funny you say that. Uh, There was a gentleman named Larry Jocelyn, who I think is watching right now or listening right now. Uh, He was a white man. And he moved from, I think he came from Seattle down to Bakersfield. And he wanted to start a boys Bible group. Now, I joke around with people all the time. I go, in 2023, a white man with a white band saying, I'm going to take your kids and we're going to go to the church and learn about God would not happen. They would call CPS that day. But that's what he did because God implored him to do my work wherever you see fit. So here this man, this random man, shows up at our door. Hey, I'm starting a, a boys Bible club, he called it. I want to know if your son wanted to join. My mother, in her heart, just knew that he was a good cat. And so I joined. And when I joined, all my friends joined, like, it must be cool, let's get in. So every Thursday, he would pick us up, like seven or eight of us, and he would take us to Mount Zion Baptist Church in Bakersfield. And this man was legit. He was a pastor. He he nurtured us, he cared about us, and even as my friends started to fall off in their own respective lives, I stuck with them longer than any of them. And he took me into my high school years, and that was the father figure that I had, I'd say from nine to 14 or 15. Mm. He was the man that was right there. He tripped me out one day, because he was like, what are you doing 5 a.m. tomorrow? I was like, 5 a.m.? I 
looking at the inside of my eyelids. What are you talking about, man? He goes, I'm picking you up. I'm like, why? I'm picking you up. Okay. So he shows up, 5 a.m., we jump in the van, and we go to like a local Applebee's. I can't remember the name of the place. It wasn't Applebee's. but And I go in there, and there is a whole uh, room. You know they have those long conference tables? Yeah. Everybody was in there, multicultural, everybody. Everybody's just got Bibles out, and everybody's reading the Word, and everybody's giving their perspectives on what's going on. And, and that taught me right there, because it was multicultural, it was multifaceted, the whole nine, but that taught me right there that the power of God can impact any community and can impact any person as long as you stay focused. And so he had that whole thing put together and every week they would come together at that place and they would invite new people and it was their job to invite a new person. And then that thing turned into a church and I go, I get it. I get it. So I've tried to exemplify what he has done with his life, with my own life. I'm by no means perfect. <laughs> Trust me. I've had some stumbles along the way myself. But even as that, that kid was watching my father punch me in the stomach that day, um, not literally, of course, figuratively speaking, um, even as that little boy was sitting there and walking into the house like a zombie, for the record, I didn't even cry I'm just walking in the house like a zombie. And my mother was like, what did you say? And I told her, and I still didn't cry. I was just sitting there frozen, like, wow. It taught me, a little Danny, this ain't got nothing to do with you, man. Mm. That right there. This ain't got nothing to do with you. And we as adults do that to kids all the time. We bring grown folks' problems into kids' lives. And it's just not cool. And I'm guilty of doing that myself. Yeah. And it told me that day, this ain't got nothing to do with you. And and kids tend to blame themselves a lot of the time when mom and dad are fighting, whether they're together or not. Kids tend to blame themselves. And I learned a long time ago, this ain't got nothing to do with you. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a snippet of what I was what it was like growing up in Victor. That's the thing right there is we don't know how to, especially as children, don't know how to separate that and not make it about us, right? Yeah. Especially as a child, when you're looking to the person that's supposed to be caring for you, mm -hmm. that is mistreating you, then you can't help but think it's about you as a kid. And so we carry that into our adulthood, that I was the one, I was bad, I was this and that. and. I wish there was some way and I hope that there's some way that we can instill in kids as early as possible that that theory right there that adult problems are adult things that don't have anything to do with kids and vice versa and instill in parents in parenting mm. before you even mm. become a parent like mm. there's there's got to be separation there's got to mm. be separation that the things that you say and do to your children have a lasting effect more than you think and that they will internalize the thing. So you have to be mature enough or healed enough to be able to separate that and let your child know this is mom and dad's issue. It has nothing to do. Be, give them that assurance so that they don't grow up demonstrating those things, demonstrating and thinking that 
this was me. I was bad. I'm this. I'm that. And putting these labels on ourselves that aren't mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you just said. That right there, that kind of encapsulates what I try to live by. Like me being in Los Angeles and my kids being in Bakersfield, it's, it's tough, you know, being almost two hours away from them now. And it's mm-hmm. tough. Yeah. And I, I try to keep in front of them the best I can. I try to get there as much as I can. Everything that's going on right now is tough to get back. And it's just a lot. But every time I see them, I try to let them know I'm not going to abandon you. I'm here. I'm going to be here. Always going to be here. But I also let them know that everything that I do, I want them to know that I am literally doing it for them. I had a, a health scare. We'll get into my health scare, I'm sure, um, recently. And I was I was kind of reflecting on the whole thing. Like, if I had been dead and gone that day, I have nothing to leave my children. I want you to hold that thought. We're going to come back because that is the segue into what I want to talk about next. Family, we're going to take a break. I told you this is an episode you do not want to miss. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. We are inside the Men on the Move series with our keynote guest, Danny Morrison. You don't want to miss this family. We'll be right back after this. This is Full Circle. Like and share our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5. And she's back. Empowering women one conversation at a time. This is Full Circle with Miss Wanda. Um, Karen Clark Sheard, Only Call on Jesus from her Second Chance album. But the reason I wanted to play this was because there's a line in there. And I was listening to the song this morning in the shower. And it says, I have a testimony about Jesus. And that song is just, it resonated with me this morning. And I heard, and I was telling Danny, I heard that I'm supposed to like segue into our next piece of conversation with that. I have a testimony about Jesus. Like, this song is just so, it's, it's, it's one of my anthems. It's like, I only call on him. He carried me through my worst storm. I only call on Jesus leaning on his everlasting arm. I have a testimony about Jesus. And Danny, family, if you're just joining us and like, what is going on? This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. I'm having a conversation with my guest, Danny Morrison, inside the Men on the Move series. But this song reminded me of you, Danny, because earlier this year, you had a life-changing event. And yeah. so when I hear that, I have a testimony about Jesus and have seen following you on social media and seeing a bit of your testimony and hearing you on your previous radio show. I just felt like that would be the perfect thing to segue into you discussing this thing that had a huge impact on your life. Well, um, back in February, um, I was, uh, stricken with about with, uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> as I as I clear my throat, <laughs> bad time. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, I uh, come to find out that I was out for twenty four hours too. And when the ambulance found me, I was uh, I was sprawled across the coffee table here. My loved ones were around me, and my eyes were rolled back in the back of my head, and my heart was beating at twenty three percent. I'm being told. So. They cart me to the hospital and they hook all the hoses and everything and intubate me and the whole nine. And I'm thinking, this thing is over. And I don't remember any of this, <laughs> but it had to be. And I'm coming in and out. I could feel myself coming in and out a little bit. 
but I wasn't really sure what was going on. But from what I'm being told, I was just talking gibberish the entire time and yelling at nurses and the whole nine because I was literally dying. But uh, I'm being told I, I died on the table at once, too. But uh, through the grace of God, I'm here. The doctor told me that uh, we thought we'd be here for a few days, but you're going home tomorrow. It's like, what? Can't lie, but when I went home, I couldn't even hold a cup. Like, I couldn't hold a fork. I was still trying to find my body mechanics again. And I stay in a gym. I work out six days a week, you know. It was just really weird. I was trying to eat ice cream, and I couldn't hold the the spoon. It was driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy, not just being able to do the most simple things. So I tell people, when you see anyone that is uh, is disabled in any way, shape, or form, give them grace, give them time. Because I have a newfound respect for people that have those disabilities, you know? So uh, after about a week, maybe two, it was a week and a half, almost two weeks, I had my, uh, my next appointment. And I felt good, you know, like I was getting my strength back and everything was coming back great. And you know, I could feel my heart starting to roll again. So I go to the doctor. And I'm like, I don't know what he's going to tell me. He's going to tell me that, that I got like uh, uh, some heart disease of some sort. And I got six months to live. I was just feeling that in my heart. like So I was praying and praying, trying to make sure that I keep my, my strength about me. Because anything that I go through in this life, I go straight to my knees. And I say, hey, I can't do this without you. That's one thing that I know. So I go to the doctor. And I walk into the, the room. And he, he starts to hook me up to the you know the contraption they hook you they do your heart your blood pressure mm-hmm. so he's and my heart is beating out my chest and he goes you okay and i go no i'm not i'm nervous he goes calm down i'll come back in 10 minutes i was like cool mm-hmm. so i'm just sitting there trying to calm my nerves you know because i was like if this man tells me something that i'm not ready for i don't know what i'm gonna do so he comes in this time he's got a clipboard and he goes back to my heart I was all right. We're getting back to normal here. And then he looks at the chart and he goes, what kind of medication did they give you when you left the hospital? And I go, medication? None. He said, they didn't give you any blood pressure medication? No. They didn't give you anything? I said, no. They sent me home. And he goes, take off your shirt. So I took my shirt off and and he's looking me up and down. And he goes, you obviously work out. Is that what it is? And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. He goes, you're good. Your, your vitals are normal. He said, I'm assuming the way that you work out, maybe that's what I said. Nah, it's none of that. I'm sorry. I operate from a different source. Ain't got nothing to do with my working out. It ain't got nothing to do with my eating habits. It ain't got nothing to do with the lack of stress in my life because I try to keep it that way every day and every day. But it's all about God. And I try to tell people all the time, I don't care what you're going through. Financial, all right, relationships, education, your job is getting on your nerves. You're about to choke out one of your kids. I get it. All of that is going on around us. And man, I got some friends with anxiety that are going crazy. I have three friends commit suicide over the last, you could say four years now. It's tough out there for a lot of people. I'm not here to say I, I got the answer to all your problems. I'm here to say 
God does, though. And it is, it is, it is so important that I don't care what God you serve. I'm telling you, you have got to make sure you keep your eyes up regardless of what's going on with you. And all this has done is added to my testimony. And I've been giving testimonies for years. I had my, my six-year-old son almost died of cancer years ago. Still here, 17 years old today. So can't nobody tell me nothing about God. Can't nobody tell me nothing about how, how important he should be in my life and in your life too. We could do this all day. I can give you testimonies all day. People will tell you that, oh, that's a coincidence. Heck no, there ain't no coincidence. I've seen doctors in my face shrug their shoulders and go, we have no idea. 12 years of education, look at me in my face and go, we have no idea. So come on. We can do this all day. So to tie a bow on that, <laughs> um, I like to think that I was already pretty focused on what I want to do with my life prior to that incident. We don't call it an accident. We call it the incident. Um, but I got to tell you, coming out of that thing, it, it, it put a fire in my belly to really start listening to what God is telling me. Yeah. It's a fire that I've, I've never had before. And like I told you in, in the pre-show, everybody uh, can hear the voice of God, but not everybody listens. I'm listening. And I want to do everything in my power to try to make this world better, in a better place in whatever way, shape, or fashion that I can. Do you feel a sense of urgency now that you've gone through this? Yes. Yeah, I uh, I sense it too. I mean, I, black people tell <laughs> black people tell me all the time, Danny, we are done. Danny, we are finished. Danny, we cannot be saved. Danny, we're at the point of no return. Danny, we've gone down the rabbit hole. I've heard every single one of those. But I tell you what, don't buy it. Sorry. I'm not that dude. I'm not that dude. I don't believe in absolutes. I don't believe in we're we're near the end. I believe that God has implored me to do what I can to try to help people understand that with him, we can get anywhere we need to get. Anywhere. And... um but I'm scared too, you know. Mm -hmm. I ain't gonna front. Like, man, being here in LA, LA is different than Bakersfield, obviously. And uh, the tone, the tone is different, you know. You know, young young brothers walk into a department store and you in there, yeah, you look. You be in a liquor store, and some young brothers coming in, yeah, you 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 tense up a little bit, you know. That's Let's real. keep it real. That's real. I got grown black people telling me all the time, Danny, I don't go to no black events in LA because I know some nonsense gonna pop off. Telling me that. And I go, then the devil has won. If that's where we are, if we're scared of our own people, the devil has won. We can't do that. And like I said, I get nervous sometimes. I certain nervous I get nervous sometimes. I pull up to a, a, a stoplight sometime. Brother be in the lane next to me, just just mean mugging me for no reason. I get nervous sometimes. Yeah. But we cannot give up on these youngsters out Absolutely. We can't. And when I speak to, to guys that have been on lockdown for a while, you know, they'll come to me and they say, man, these, these older cats ain't listening to you. And I tell them, I ain't talking to y'all. Sorry. Mm -hmm. You gonna do what you wanna do. You gonna do everything that you wanna do. I'm talking to the young bucks out here. I'm talking to them. 
because they are our next generation. And I'm scared on what I see right now from the younger generation. But I tell you what, I'm not going to sit up and complain. I'm going to come up with the best solutions that I think can help them get to where they need to get. Because if you talk to them, they will tell you that we don't care about them. That's why they do the things they do. And you know what? It's true. Gen X and older could not care less about these young bucks. What do we do? Man, they need to stop shooting each other. Man, they need to stop being so sexual. Man, yeah, all that, you know what? All that's true. But who raised them kids? Who raised them kids? Or lack thereof? Who did it? That's us. So let me get this straight. We dropped the ball on parenting for our entire generation, and then once they become adults, we complain that they're not doing what we want them to do. It's the dumbest thing in the world. I want to come up with solutions to try to show them there is a different way, King. There's a different way. And here's why that's important. If uh, if you go to any gang member in this entire area and ask him to get out the gang, like um, every single one of us has a gang member in our family. Let's keep it real up in here. Some more aggressive than others, but every single one of us got one, okay? If you go and talk to them and say, what do I got to do to get you out of here? What do I got to do? You know what they're going to say? You gonna pay me? Huh? You gonna pay me? Because I gotta tell you, you cannot pay me what I'm making right now. So what's the deal? So what you gonna you gonna you gonna hand him a fifteen dollar an hour job at Burger King? Huh? They gonna laugh in your face? You gonna tell them to put on that that uniform at your at your your nearest uh, convenience store? They gonna laugh in your face? So until we come up with some tangible solutions that these young bucks will listen to, I'm telling you, they will continue to ignore us. And that's exactly what happens. They ignore us because we don't have anything tangible, palpable that they can look at and go, that's a pretty good idea. That I will do. And if it, it can be fruitful for them, you know, monetarily, and they ain't got to be looking over their shoulders 24 hours a day. I'm telling you, they'll jump. They'll do it. I think I got some solutions that we'll unveil pretty soon here, but that's my goal. You have three sons, correct? I have three sons, yes. So talk about that in the commentary you just gave. Now as a parent of three sons or as a parent of three sons, how does that affect the relationship you have with your children in terms of what's going on in society now? Woo, woo. I, I am lucky. God, thank you. I got three amazing boys, amazing boys. Um, I got two sons down here in Los Angeles, both in the video game realm, and they're they're content creators themselves, doing very well for themselves. I have a 16-year-old son back in Bakersfield, 17, I mean, uh, back in Bakersfield, and he is one of the top guys on YouTube. He's got 125,000 uh, subscribers on that thing. Yeah. Wow. Killing my numbers, I got to tell you. But he creates digital content himself, and he's doing his thing. And I got a beautiful baby girl, too. I got a daughter, too. Mm-hmm. Got a beautiful, yeah, my beautiful baby girl, Mariah. She's doing her thing. But she might be the best of us. To be honest with you. She is amazing. <laughs> and with all my kids, you know, it's just like I see my, I see my talents in them, and I love the fact that they have done something that I did not do, which was recognize what my talent level was early. It took me a while. Like it took, I would say, even into my twenties, didn't really understand. But my kids early on knew that they were gifted, 
and to see them flourish the way that they have with the talents that they have and i'm a god once again so yeah but we definitely talk about what's going on in the world I always tell them like i'm telling you all now stay focused man keep god first you're gonna be all right yeah. and that's what's happening looks like in real time piggybacking on your commentary some more too what do you see as some of our major issues now you talked about one of this serious gap between generations in terms of gen x and older kind of judging the and i don't even know what letters they are on now but the old the kind of the newer generation coming up what yeah. are some of the other main issues you see in terms of the black community and how do you think and i know you've got stuff that you're going to unveil later but whatever you can share with us about what do you think some of the pressing other pressing issues are that face our community what are some of the ways we can start to turn the needle on those things Woo! that is uh that's a big overarching question it's tough to, to pinpoint. I get asked every now and again, if you had a magic wand, you know, and you could change, mm-hmm. what's the first thing you change about the black community? And I go, I wouldn't know where to start. I mean, we, we suffer from, from income inequality, economic opportunity. We don't vote. Uh, education. Oh, my God. There's so many things that we need to focus on. If I had to focus on something first, I think economic opportunity for sure. Uh one of my my primary initiatives with my my new movement that i'm going to unveil hopefully by the end of the month um is a focus on black business and people don't know half of the black businesses that were in america had to shut down during the pandemic people don't know that i think it's 47 percent. and i always ask black people why why you don't shop with us why won't you do that and they always come with the same old you know tropes and Oh, well, it was bad service and they'd be running out of Kool-Aid and, uh, you know what I'm saying? They got bad attitudes. And I go, ultra, did you tell them? It ain't my job to tell. It is our job to check each other respectfully, but it's our job to check each other. Like I am blocks away from uh, Louisiana fried chicken right here in Inglewood, right? Blocks away from one. Jam-packed with black people every single day. I swear to you, there is a chicken place owned by a black man right across the street. There's probably be two people in there today. Now, is Louisiana fried chicken fire? I don't know. I haven't had it. But I do know well, we need to start shopping with each other to try to build each other up. Because if I go to East L.A. right now, Latinos are supporting each other every single day. You go in some of them neighborhoods, there ain't a lick of English on the buildings, and there ain't a lick of English being spoken in those buildings. They shop with each other, support one another, take care of one another. I can go over to Chinatown, the same thing. Every other culture does that in this city, the most multicultural city in America. Second to San Francisco, probably. Black people? Why aren't we doing that? We got a place called El Super right here in Inglewood. Mexican owned, I'm assuming, Spanish everywhere. Signage inside the building, Spanish. Every person working in there, Mexican. Everybody, just Latinos doing their thing. I'm like, why ain't no black grocery store in this city? Although I'm told Tiffany Haddish is about to change that, I'm being told. My point is, it's amazing to me that we have the capital to do what we need to do to take care of one another. 
But for some reason, we would rather spend that money with the white man. I, I have no idea why that is. Some say it's because we fought so hard for equality and getting to the top. And, you know, we want you to treat us as equals and da 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 da. Why would we throw that all away to only shop with one another? I get a portion of that. But I think you can walk with chew gum at the same time. Because those same Latinos that are over here only shopping with each other in East LA also go to Target. They also go to Walmart. But you know what? I guarantee you, they start with their people first and then go to those businesses. We black people haven't figured that out. And until we do, we will continue to languish. We, we got to do something because I think, I think what I'm bringing to the table will help in trying to achieve that, that dream. There's some amazing content creators here in Los Angeles, and I'm just so honored to be accepted by a bunch of them. I just want to throw my hat into the ring and, and help. Is your new movement, is that kind of a result of having that incident earlier in the year and having a shift in your perspective on how you show up in the world? No, um, I've been working on this for a while. Oh. Um, I will say it, it put a little, add a little fuel to the fire. I would say that. Um, but no, this has been a long time coming. I would say for 20 plus years, I've been putting this together. How, if I was an owner of a business, because I'm finally about to be that for the first time in my life. If I'm the owner of a business, what would I want it to look like, sound like, what's its purpose What's its controlling purpose, you know? Um, what's our mission statement? Um, and I can tell you, God is first, but we, we need to impact the community in a way that is tangible. I don't know how many, I've been to so many um, like panel discussions and meetings and stuff where black people sit around talking, right? I could not tell you how many I've been to in my life. And at the end of it, I always go, okay, now what? There's never a follow-up, ever. What is the next step? So what I tell people when they want me on the panel, I always ask them, I'll come out, but I need to know what is the plan. Don't put me on a panel just to talk. What are we doing this for? I'm trying to get clicks and streams for nobody. What is the plan? Once we leave this building, if we talk about community issues on this thing, fine, I'm with it. But I need to know that there's a plan once we leave this building. And I'm telling you, 100% of it, 99.5% of the time, we walk out that building, we had a great discussion. Oh, that was great. That was great. And everybody goes on their merry way, and we never solve anything. Why are we sitting around talking? I'm sorry, that's not enough for me. I need, I need a plan of attack. I have a plan of attack, but... I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not doing no more. I've been invited to three, four different things over the last month. And I'm like, first of all, I told him I'm not ready because I'm coming to Miss Wanda first, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I need to know what's the plan of attack? Why are you doing this? And tell me what we're going to do right after. And you should, you should hear him pause when I say that. Well, you know, we're putting the pieces together. Okay. So y'all... Y'all trying to get content for your social. This is what you try. Y'all trying to get some clicks and y'all want to look pretty, huh? I'm not that dude, man. Uh, we've done that for so many years. When do we put something tangible on the table that not only we, grown people, can 
subscribe to. But these young people look at it and go, you know what? I could jump in that. Have you always been this person that you are now in terms of your social commentary and your passion for the community? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's got me trouble, in trouble a couple times, yeah. but I I don't care. I really don't care. I'm, I'm not here to, to uh, make people feel better about themselves and, 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 and smooth out my speech so people can feel more comfortable. I'm not that guy. I'm... I'm not here to just be talking to be talking, like I said. Do you attribute wanna, that back to your mom? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, Do you ahead. attribute that back to your mom and seeing what she went through as you were growing up? It's funny you say that. That right there, I, and we didn't touch on that earlier. I would say watching my mom go through what she went through all those years gave me a sense of urgency back then. I think definitely. I think it told me that... Nobody's coming to save us. Nobody is coming to save us. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for reparations. I think we need them. I'm always going to fight for them. Uh, we are owed that in this country. But at the same time, in the meantime and in between time, we got to save ourselves. And um, there's one thing I, I, I've always given my mother props for is my mother could have just laid up on welfare, food stamps, Hot bottles, aluminum cans. We did it all just to keep the lights on. She could have done that. She didn't. She made a decision to go back to school, educate herself, and get herself a good job. She did. With six children. She did that. So that told me, it showed me, and also my siblings, you got to get up. You can't feel sorry for yourself. You can't blame it on your man. And if anybody had cause to blame their man, it's my mama. Didn't care. My mama said, let me get this straight. I got God on my side. I got these beautiful children. And I got the wherewithal to make it happen. Let's go. And she did it. So that showed me way back then, that seven-year-old kid that I told you all about, when my dad is punching me in the stomach, figuratively speaking, um, do something. And I guess that's kind of the overarching message on what I'm about. Do something. And I promise anybody that rocks with me from this point forward, if you're, if you're not already, everything that I do, you're going to see Danny doing something. Always. I'm not just going to be talking to be talking. It's not enough. Yeah. It's not. Every single time I turn on social media, relationships are entertainment. Relationships are entertainment. Relationships, every black blog, relationship. I'm like, Jesus, we are dying here. We are dying. And we only talking relationships and entertainment right now. Come on, Shade Room. Come on, man. We got to do better, y'all. I don't claim to have all the answers, but I promise you, I'm going to bring some that I'm hoping, praying, that will help out. That's what I'm hoping. Wonderful conversation, family. If you are just tuning in, and I don't know why, but if you're just tuning in, this is Full <laughs> Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation with my guest, multimedia creator, writer, host, social and community activist, Danny Morrison. We're going to take a break, family. When we come back, more with Full Circle right after this. We'll be right back. Empowerment through conversation. That starts with you. Tell us what topics you want to hear. Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. It's not just talk when you put it into action. Empowering women through conversation. 
with Miss Wanda. We're back, family. Thank you so much for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. Having a wonderful conversation with my guest, multimedia personality, media creator, writer, host, social and community activist, Danny Morrison. Family, if you don't know him, get to know him. Follow him on Instagram at Danny Mo Show. Find him there. You can also find him on Facebook at Danny Morrison. Family, we are having an amazing conversation. We're inside the Men on the Move series. This has been a wonderful series, a wonderful conversation today. Now, Danny, before we went to the break, you said something very powerful. You said, do something. And so there yeah. may be someone out there right now that's listening. Young or old, doesn't matter, but they're, they resonate with And they may be thinking, I want to do something, but I don't know what. I don't know where to start. What would you say to that? Uh, check your circle. Mm. Okay. That's number one. You know, people always say, man, I'm a ride or die, man. We talking about, man, I got some ride or... No, you know. I told this uh, this analogy on the, on the radio before because a friend shared it with me a long time ago. He, uh, he had me get a piece of paper in front of me, right? And he was like, so you're breaking out and doing your own thing. I was changing radio stations and I wanted to blend, you know, salesmanship with my radio show and everything. And he was just like, you're doing it, huh? I was like, yeah, man, it's about that time. We're going we're gonna to take the next step. He's like, all right, write down the 10 people that you know are going to support your next endeavor. And I go, okay. Let me see my sisters, my brother, my mama, boom, 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 a few friends, boom, I handed it to them. Tore that mug up. Get that out of here. Give me another piece of paper. Give me your next 10. Ooh. Uh, my homeboys, uh, people I work with, or, you know, people I met at church, or da 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 da. Or that thing up. Gave me another piece of paper. Said, Give me another 10. I'm like, yo. Uh, that's when you start. Uh, I don't know. Um, cousin Ray Ray, uh, Junebug Nim, I don't know. So I finally got to another 10, and he tore it halfway. And he gave me the bottom five, and he goes, Start there. And he was absolutely right. If you think of going out there and doing something, I don't care. I'm not talking about business. I'm just talking about anything that you feel could enhance people's lives or be life-changing for so many people. I'm going to tell you, those people that you think are going to be in your corner to support you, not just monetarily. I'm talking emotional support. I'm talking just being there. They ain't going to be there. They ain't going to be there. Have you noticed that friends of yours that are on your Instagram right now, and if you go to Shade Room or you go to any of these black blog sites, right, they don't comment and boom, oh, hey, yeah, oh, I can't believe, oh, I can't believe that, that uh, Kiki said that about a boyfriend, da 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 da, da right? Mm-hmm. Let you post something about you got what you got going on with your business. Post something about something great that's going on in your life. They are nowhere to be seen. You can look in your Instagram stories on who's looking at your stuff. Oh, they in there. They see it. But if you go to your actual post, you'll have three likes. You'll have 10 comments, but you'll have 300 views on your story. Why is that? Because I'm here to tell you, it's just not going to happen. If you feel that the people around you are going to be the catalyst to getting you where you need to get, regardless of where you're trying to go, you are going to fail. And not only that, make sure you surround yourself with people that understand your plight. I was given this advice a while back too. Took me a while to get there. You need a team and you can't do it by yourself. 
if you try to do it solo, you're going to fail. And I tried to do it solo for 15 years here, okay? Mm -hmm. You need a team that not only understands what you're trying to do, but they got to be about your vision as well. If you got people in your circle that are trying to get you somewhere on their own, they never going to give you their entire heart. You need somebody that understands your vision and puts all of their uh, wherewithal in your vision. And then you guys will get there. Now, once you get there, you can help them whatever path they're on, you can help them. But in the meantime and in between time, you have to have people around you that support your vision and cut the stress out your life too. But what do you say to those people that are like, I don't want to share my vision because somebody's going to take it or, you know, all of those things. Then you ain't got no real vision. You ain't got no, because you, you, you are an individual. You're good at what you do. Listen, when we unveil what we do, okay, there's going to be some copycats out there. There's going to be some people saying, that's a great idea. I might try that myself. And you know what? I'm fine with that. Yeah. But here's what I know. Can't do it like we do though. You know, God gifted me with some talents. You can't do it like we do. And we, we got God sprinkled on everything that we do. If somebody else feels that they can impact their own respective community with what we're bringing to the table, go ahead. It's, it's all good. Yeah. Okay. Be careful, don't you? There's some licensing stuff. You got to be careful. <laughs> you got to be careful. But uh, if, if, if we're going to get to the point in the black, especially the black community, we get to the point where that's minds and that's only minds we've lost already you've lost already there was a place called in my hometown called mercado latino back in my hometown and you go there on a saturday saturday and sunday and you go in there i'm telling you there's 250 mexican vendors out there selling each other just everybody out there communities out there they're playing like um mariachi music in the background and eating churros and everything they're out there doing that thing you don't think that there's some some like items in those booths? You don't think they're selling the same stuff? Mm-hmm. You don't think this restaurant next to this restaurant is selling the same thing? Yeah. They ain't tripping on that. So when I came here to LA, I was like, okay, so where can I get the black experience like that? I need that. They're like, you need to go to the the to the to the Slauson swap meet. I was like, okay, I'll go there. It's now called the Slauson. You know where I'm going. <laughs> it's now called the Slauson Super Mall, by the way. I go up in there, I'm like, cool. I see a number of kings and queens walking up in there. I was like, yo, okay. This mm-hmm. is what I'm talking about. This is where my people go. Yet I go inside. We don't own Nan Booth up in there. Mm-hmm. We don't own Nan Booth up in there. Nothing but non-black owners in them booths. We in that shopping. Don't get me wrong. We in that doing outside. I love it. We got to find spots like that to where we can build our own and shop with our own. We have to. Yeah. Because we're getting left behind, y'all. Yeah. And I always hear, man, black black men ain't got no money. We can't be doing Really? We ain't got no money? So why, why are all these other races in our neighborhood selling to us then? If we ain't got no money, every other race, racial group is coming to our neighborhoods buying from us or selling to us. So y'all say we broke. They are proving otherwise. So what are we going to do? Yeah. So that's it. It's a groundswell effort, I think. Well, here in Sacramento, we have um, something called the African Market. 
place where we do have vendors, you know, the first and third Saturday. We do have other pop-up areas where we have black vendors coming together. But you're right. It's it's a groundswell effort, though. It's um, it's It feels like it's not growing as fast as some of the other um, uh, nationalities may have things that are coming together. And, you know, it's 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 a it's a push it's we got to do this there we got to get over the distrust right so you talked about that earlier where i don't shop black i don't do that everybody knows me i i even found some black toilet tissue at target the other day and i posted it on social media yes i was like this is a black owned company y'all need to support right (laughs) but you know it's like it's it's it feels like it's a push like we have to really convince our own that that we are worth or that we have the same knowledge, we have the same skill, we have the same skill set and the same promise that everyone else has. And it's that groundswell effort where, you know, it's it feels like it's a slow churn of us trying to get to where other people, other communities have already gotten. And I, I, you know, we all we can do is just continue to push forward and spread the message. But sometimes it feels like, man, is the effort, you know, the, of course, the effort is worth it. But it's a lot of effort to get to where, like I said, other communities have already gotten, like, for instance, the Mercado that you mentioned in yeah. Bakersfield or even and I used to shop, man, Sloss and Swap Meat like that used to be my spot, too. Um, yeah. But, you know. And I don't even think we even recognize that. We go there, right? It's in our neighborhood. It's a place where, you know, our local rappers and, and people have made famous, right? You've seen on movies and, you know, John Singleton, other people had that in their, in their um, media. And I don't think we really realize who we're shopping from. Yeah. You know, it's, that's a whole... Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. You, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, and I, I pay attention to that stuff. I do. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem shopping with other people. It's all good. If you're yeah. doing it big, do it big. And if you got good product, I'm going to buy it from you. I really don't care. But I'm going to tell you something else I do pay attention to. Tell me at least you hiring some blacks in this place, though. Yeah. I need to see some kings and queens in the building, you know? And I mentioned this Louisiana fried chicken place. I ain't never seen no black people walk inside that place or working inside that place. So we just gonna let these uh, other groups come in and take our money, but not hire us, at least hire us. You know what I'm saying? That bothers me. But that being said, um, I can't blame nobody for seizing an opportunity. They see an opportunity. They know we got capital. They know that we're, 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 uh, we're not doing what we're supposed to do as far as getting community together and building these businesses in our own respective communities. So they're like, you know what? If they ain't going to do it, we're going to do it. So they slide right in and take our cash. I can't be mad at it. It's brilliant when you think about it. But I'm so mad at us. For because if a, black, if, if a, for example, there was a, there's a new uh, Foot Locker that opened up on, you know, Slauson and, and, and Crenshaw right there, right? And when it first opened up, there was a lot, you think, you would think it was concert. There was a line all the way down the sidewalk. And I was like, yo, that's crazy right there. Flip locker? If there was a black-owned store right next to me that sold the same shoes, they wouldn't be in it. 
They wouldn't be lined up outside. Why? Because there's something. Some say it's dang near tribal, you know? I don't know what it is, you know? Some people say, you know, it's self-hatred of black people. We don't like each other. We don't want to see each other win. I push back against all that. I don't want to believe that. Even though sometimes I see proof of it. I don't want to believe that. I honestly think if you present something to us that is forward-thinking, that is positive, that is actually going to move the needle, I honestly think people will jump on. They'll jump on board. But if they say you ain't, if they see that you ain't about nothing, and you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, and you don't mean what you say and say what you mean, they're, they're going to abandon ship. And some would say they probably should. But we have got to start supporting one another. We got to start overlooking the, the the minuscule issues that you see. If Keisha got an attitude at the cashier, okay. Say something to her, say, listen, Queen, I mean, I want to come in, but you, you're a little abrasive right now. Listen, talk to them. Let them know. They didn't, they probably didn't take those business classes like the white people. They probably didn't take those etiquette classes like white people. Who knows? Mm -hmm. We got to train ourselves respectfully, but we can get there. But just saying, I ain't never going there no more. It's not the way to go. If you get bad service at Target today, you're in Target this weekend. If you get bad service at Applebee's, you're going to be at Applebee's that next week. But you get bad service in a black-owned restaurant, you tell, you're not only never going, you're telling 15 of your friends about the experience, and then they ain't going to go. I'm telling you, white people don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Latinos don't do that. Asian people don't do that. They don't. We, look, we almost look for a reason to shut each other down. Like Chris Rock said in a special years ago, grand opening, grand closing. We love to see it. Yeah. And until we get past that and letting the little stuff just brush that nonsense out the way, we're going to continue the language like we are. And I think we can get past it. Though. Yeah. I, I want to give a shout out to some of the business uh, owners here in Sacramento that are really trying to uplift us. And, and there's a place called Uplift Us Market in the Fox Hills Mall that I like to go to that is just like the pop-up shop here. But we have a pop-up shop here at one of our malls that is supporting and helping black um, entrepreneurs get into a space, a retail space like that. So I want to give a shout out to Aisha and her her uh, pop up shop idea. I want to give a shout out to um, Amore Du and to Tanya Mack and all the work she's doing, not just with her clothing store, but feeding the homeless and things like that. And I want to give a shout out too to the California Black Chamber owners of ninety seven five or our parent company. And because we are doing, we have a business incubator, and and, and so I want to say to people too, when you're starting a business, right? Get it's very important to get into these classes to know how to operate a business. One of the things, because I did this when I started my business. I just started. I graduated from coaching school at UC Davis and I was like, okay, I'm gonna just start coaching and didn't know the fundamentals, even in, in coaching. And I'm not, I'm not a service-based business in terms of like a restaurant or things like that. But I went back and started taking classes through the chambers, um, African-American Chamber in San Joaquin County, the Sacramento Black Chamber of Commerce, the California Black Chamber of Commerce, wherever I can find education that can help me to really be the best business owner I can be. 
can't adjust my attitude, but I can have my things in place so that when yeah. someone comes to me, I have my things in order. I'm not like, oh, you know, I'm going to call you back next week because I don't have my license yet or all that. No, I have my license. I have my insurance. I have all the things. And so that's one of the things I think that we fall down on, too, is we start a business but don't have the proper infrastructure or have the understanding of how business really works so that we can present ourselves in the marketplace in the best light that we can. So -hmm. we don't have those things where we have in the grand opening, grand closing, because, oh, man, I didn't get my permit. Now I got to shut down or whatever, whatever, whatever happens. So I just wanted to kind of digress. No, I I, to piggyback on what you just said, I receive all of that. And for some reason, we got a problem with authority, too, though. You know, it's like we don't want to buy tenant. You ain't going to tell me how to dress when I come to work or you ain't going to tell me how to talk that goes into business and they say that you really haven't made it in business until the white people start shopping with you i disagree with that mm-hmm. I just, don't get me wrong that white money is still green don't get don't get it twisted but there is enough commerce in our black communities to sustain you gotta have a good product all right but there's enough commerce in the black community. for example i ain't trying to disrespect nobody i was gonna tell go to a festival here in LA, I got like 15 booths that are selling candles. I'm like, everybody's selling candles? I got like 20 candles over here that I haven't burned through. Everybody. And I go, hey, do you. But what's next? Okay. What, selling candles is fine. But what's next? We got to make sure that not only we uh, have our heart into what we're trying to sell, but also diversify at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because what sets you apart? That's some more advice I'd give to somebody that's trying to start out. What sets you apart from everybody else out there? Give me an example. Um, I tell my sons all the time, you know, we're in the dating scene. They're both taking right now, my older son. And uh, they used to have a little struggle coming up. And I used to say, why would they choose you? Well, I'm cute and you know, I'm smart. Really? So you're the only cute and smart black boys in the city, huh? Yeah, but yeah, take your time. What sets you apart from all these other young kings out here? Because there's some good-looking kings out here. Don't get it twisted. More athletic than y'all. Y'all ain't even athletic. What y'all gonna do? It's the same with business. You want black people to come into your building. What sets you apart? from everybody else that they will want to not just uh, go there because they're a friend or they're a family member, an acquaintance of yours. What will implore somebody that doesn't know you from Adam to say, I'm going to go check that place out. My movement is going to assist in that, by the way. We're going to do some of that. When you have the, when you are ready to spill, you know you got to come back and, and I'm gonna get, uh, break it I'm all gonna get the way down. I'm, I'll give you a taste before I go, but uh, yeah, I'll come back and we'll yeah. really unveil what we're doing when I could be free with it. All good, all good. And you, you know, know I got to unveil it on my own terms, on my own social. Absolutely, yeah. but when it's time for you to come to Miss Wanda, and you know, it'd be cool if you was here in person. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna leave it there. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh, you're in Sacramento. Are you in Sac? Yeah, that I ain't that happen. far from you. I'm a that plane ride or a five-hour drive, however you mm-hmm. see it. <laughs> and Jay King's there, there with you too, right? Jay is the president of the California Black Chamber. Yes. 
I'm just, I, it, could, it could happen. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to count on that. We're going to take <laughs> a break. When we come back, I do want to talk a little bit about your broadcasting career. And I want to hit my rapid fire questions. And then we are going to let you go. Danny, this has been a wonderful conversation. Family, keep it right here. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. We'll be right back after this. Like and share our Facebook page at Full Circle. 97.5. And she's back with your perspective on topics you care about. This is Full Circle with Miss Wanda. We're back. This is Miss Wanda. I am your host. This is Full Circle. Having a wonderful conversation on and off air with my guest, Danny Morrison, new friend to the show. And um, looking forward to all the things that he is doing in the community. I want to talk a little bit about your radio career again, because that's where I met you. You know, again, I stayed for the commentary and for your thought-provoking um, conversation that you were having on your show. Talk a little bit about, so you were doing radio in Bakersfield. Yeah, I started on radio in 1999, by the way. Oh, me too. I, I, really? I, I have a feeling we have more in common than, than yeah. I, yeah, we got we to gotta chat after this. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started... Um, I, I, like you guys know, I'm from Bakersfield, but for some reason, hip-hop was never the primary focus of a musical genre in the city of Bakersfield, which I'm sure you're surprised. <laughs> Big country music town. So, uh, you know, K KUZZ is the juggernaut of country music in Bakersfield. It's one of the top-rated country stations in the nation. Look it up. Uh, Buck Owens, may he rest in mm -hmm. peace, owns that radio station. It's huge, right? So, there was always an assumption that a hip-hop radio station couldn't come into Bakersfield and make an impact. So there was a couple KKXX and X96.5 that would come in and play. You know that hip-hop that's not really hip-hop? Mm -hmm. You know, a little baby got back, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. But a new radio station came into town. And at the moment, it was called KISS 94.1. And man, they came in playing G-Thang from Dr. Dre and Snoop. I was just like, what? They shot to number one that month, right? So everybody's like, Danny, you need to be, Danny, you need to be on the radio. Danny, why you ain't called it? I'm like, I don't, because I was already doing media in my town. Mm -hmm. I was hosting events. I was hosting the big talent show there every year. I was, you know, I was always on a mic. I was an aspiring hip hop artist myself. I don't want to show off right now, but you know, that's all. Just wanted, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> But um, <laughs> but I um, so I called the radio station one day. There was this guy named Evan. I never forget. He had a bomb voice. I should look him up to see where he is. He had a bomb voice, and he was on in the afternoons. And I was like, "Yo, what I got to do to come down there and work?" And he was like, "Man, you got a great voice. You you should." I was like, "What do I need to do?" He's got to send a resume in. So literally that day, I get to type in, you know, type my resume up. I take it down there to the to the offices at that radio station. Next day, I get a little phone call. You know, they're like, "Hey, let's do an interview. Come on down." They hired me on the spot. Okay, so for the next year and a half or so, I was the board op, two a.m. to six a.m. I'm putting this is when they had carts, mm -hmm. not even CDs. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Uh -huh. Carts and everything. And so I have to play the song and then the cart and and uh, I did that for about a year and a half. Now the whole time. There's a show on that that radio station called Between the Sheets, which is a slow jam show. You remember when, when, mm -hmm. when Quiet Storm shows were all the rage in radio, right? 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. 
And uh, I was always like, I'm supposed to be doing that show. I always thought from the moment I'm supposed to be hosting that show. So one day I got with my boss and I was like, when are you going to let me crack the mic, man? I'm, I'm putting these cards in. I'm playing the music. I'm here on time every night. I leave when I'm supposed to. I do everything I'm supposed to do. When are you going to let me, you know, crack this mic? He finally relented and let me. And I was terrible. <laughs> I was terrible. Like, I don't want to hear that tape. I know it's floating around somewhere. It's terrible. And he was like, why are you yelling in the mic? Why are you? <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm an inexperienced guy at this point. I'm like, I, I don't know. And he was like, this is what you need to do. He will leave me notes, do this. Do, 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 do. And uh, he and I butted heads a lot in the years, but I ain't going to lie. Um, he taught me a lot on radio. I came from it. So, so now I'm talking every night. I'm on. They let me stay on from 2 to 6, and they're letting me actually do a show from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. So I'm perfecting my craft and everything. But I hadn't found my social justice voice yet. I'm doing, I'm that guy. I'm like, make, make sure you're listening in the morning. And we, we've got a, a brand new show coming tomorrow morning. I was doing that guy. <laughs> and then uh, he calls me and he goes, what are you doing tonight? I was like, coming in to work, 2 a.m. So no, you're not. I want you to host between the sheets. I'm like, oh. No, you didn't say that. He said, can you handle it? I said, are you kidding me? I never let that show go. I hosted that thing for years. We were tops in the nighttime. I fashioned so many relationships and the whole nine on that show. Slow jams, dedications, the whole nine in the nighttime. It was fire. It's uh, one of the funnest times of my radio career. Then I left radio for a couple of years. Um, I was in a relationship with someone who was struggling with me being at that radio station and doing that radio because I can't, I got to tell you, it's the devil is, is abound mm-hmm. in radio. I don't know if it's still that way, but back then, pre-social media, mm-hmm. the devil be dancing. Ms. Wanda, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The, de- the devil be dancing around radio stations back then. So, uh, and I can't say he wasn't on my doorstep a couple times. So, um, so I came back got into radio again, um, got divorced and married and divorced. That's a long story. Came back to Bakersfield, jumped back on radio. But as I come back, I started noticing what the heck was going on with my community. Because I, I moved up north, up to almost where you guys are, like Monterey area, right? I was mm-hmm. up there for a couple of years for another. My, my career was in the building material industry. I was in that career for 20 years you and i were talking about nine to fives i was in that career for 20 years which paid all my bills and everything i was very successful in that industry but i didn't want to give it up because radio don't pay Mm -hmm. so uh i kept that but once i left all of that i moved back to bakersfield and uh we were having record murder rates in my city the gang population had had really expanded the black community was struggling. Black businesses were really struggling. And once again, I look around, I say, what are we doing? Like, are, are, are we gonna come together and do something? A lot of talking. Once again, a lot of talking. I, I'm sick of talking, you know? So um, I left that radio station and I went to another radio station and God bless them, um, owned by the Cesar Chavez Foundation called then it was 103.9 the beat mm-hmm. 
Mm. And they're now called Forge 103.9. And they called me and they saw what I was doing in the community with my my uh, community engagement, my socially conscious musical pro- uh, projects and, you know, just bringing people together and trying to bring the gang uh, affiliated cats out there together. They were like, come here. And I was like, I'd love to, but I need freedom because they wouldn't let me do anything at my original radio station. I said, can I play the music I want? They're like, yeah. Can I talk about what I want? Yeah. Can I bring on who I want? Yeah. What about the local musical talent? I want to bring them on, play them live on the radio, let them sing on the radio, rap on the radio. Can we do that? They go, yeah. That's that's what I mean about God. I'm telling you, God was just like, he wasn't tugging on my, my shirt. He was dragging me saying, let's go. And in the two and a half years I was there, we changed that city permanently. We put those beautiful musical people in that city that don't get no shine, don't get the, the attention that they deserve. We were giving them live interviews on the radio, playing their music on the radio, letting them rhyme. I had a mic hanging from my ceiling. That's about to come back, by the way. I had a mic hanging from my ceiling, and they'd come in, live performances, the one I called The Gauntlet. Cats said they never got no attention. Being heard on the radio. I had this one rapper, I won't name his name. He says, Danny, man, I was crying because I get home. And my baby girl ran to me and she said she heard me rapping on the radio, Mm. man. And people don't understand. This goes back to what you and I were talking about a few minutes ago. These young people don't think we care. They feel that we've left them behind. What is that phrase they say? They don't care what you know until they know that you care. So what I've always tried to do, and I'm trying to do also here in Los Angeles, I'm trying to show these young bucks that I care. I want to see you win. I'm going to do everything possible to use every platform I got to see you win. Because I'm telling you, we we got our nose up in the air. A lot of the time, a lot of us older African-Americans, like we, you know, back in our day, if I hear that one more time, I'm going to slap somebody. Back when we were growing up, I don't care, man. It's different. Social media that made everything different, man. Yeah. When I was in school, I would get bullied by one guy in my elementary school, you know, son, bullied me, called me a punk, nappy head, whatever. You know, that's that one dude, man. Man, you get bullied on social media now, and you can have 500 people bullying you all at once. Yeah. Cyberbullying is a crazy thing, man. Why do you think the suicide rate is so high? They need to know that they have an outlet. They need to know that we got answers and not just talking. A lot of talk going on. I'm done just talking. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to be talking, but everything that I do, I want you guys to look at me and say, and now what? Now, that might be a nice little hashtag, actually. Now what? Because everybody talking, panel discussions, it's just, we need answers, y'all. And anybody that wants to jump in, jump on, uh, rock with your boy, at Danny Mosho, get with me. And I promise you this, um, when I'm... When I'm dead and gone, I want whoever's on that mic, on that open mic at my funeral, I want them to say, Danny did everything he could to try to impact his community. Everything in in God's plan, as long as it's in God's plan, Danny did everything he could to try to impact his community. Everything didn't work. But I'm telling you, he died trying. And that's what I'm continuing to do. 
what sparked the move to L.A.? Uh, shout out to Elston Butler, my dude, who I got a call, by the way. Um, quick story. I'll, I'll speed through this. Um, I've been doing, you know, voice work and all of that for years, you know, commercials and all that stuff. And so uh, someone recommended Elston. Oh, I can't say someone. My man, Otis Warren, who was a sales uh, executive back in Bakersfield. So we didn't really know. We knew of each other, but we didn't know each other. He worked for a rival radio station. and I was on air. So it's like we were. We, we knew each other. There was only two black people in radio, maybe three in that city. So he came down here to work uh, for KBLA and, and with Tavis and, and Elston. So Elston was like, hey, I need a guy that could do this, you know, put this together, voiceover, put a commercial together. And he was like, I know somebody. Trust me. So uh, let me rewind a little bit. So uh, a week prior, uh, Otis calls me. He's blowing me up, and I didn't know who he was. And he sent me a text like, "Hey, this is Otis. Answer. You know, I need to talk to you about something important." I'm like, "Cool. Things were going great in Bakersfield. You know, I had my radio station. Things were moving." And uh, he said, "Check it out, Danny. You and I don't rock with each other. I don't know you, but I've always just loved and respected everything that you do. I just have been enamored with the way you do things. And man, you just mad talented. And I got to tell you, we sitting around talking about the type of talent we need at this radio station." At KBLA in Los Angeles, man, they talking about you in here. Politically astute, energetic, in the know, intelligent. He said, start naming all of these bullet points. And I was like, that sound like me. So he was like, man, you need to send some information over to Elston. So I sent it all over to Elston on my resume and what I've done. And that's when Elston hit me up. And he was like, hey, uh, how fast can you cut a commercial? And I was like, half an hour. He was like, no. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, half an hour. Give it to me. He sent it to me. Me and my boy, you know, struck voicing that thing, but we put some bells and whistles on it. And he was like, holy crap. Like, really? That's what we do, man. That's what we do. So uh, he then gave the information that I gave him to Tavis. And he said, Tavis sat on it for a while, but he's like, uh, every day going there. Have you listened to that Danny Morrison stuff? Have you listened to that Danny Morrison stuff? Have you listened to it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, Tavis was slow to it. So finally he got to it. And he was like, who is this dude? You know? Yeah, let's get him down here, you know? So uh, I started at KBLA uh, in, when did we start? June of 2021? Yeah. And uh, I was middays with Danny Morrison. And uh, I was told when I got there, you're an acquired taste. They're not going to know what they're listening to when they first heard you. You probably did the same thing this one. Like when you first hear me, you go, I'm not too sure about this dude. And the people tell me they listen again and they go, I can't turn you off, man. What's the deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I do have a, a certain style about me, but um it's not a show. That's me. Um I leave my heart on that microphone every single time I'm in there. I'm always prepared. I'm always professional. And that microphone, I know that something that you say can literally change somebody's life. So I take it seriously. That's why no one has ever said about me, Danny didn't show up, Danny was late, Danny was unprepared. You never see that about me or say that about me because every single time I step into that studio, I'm doing God's work. So me and my audience, too, were uh, asking for me to extend my show because two hours was tough in mid-taste. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I used to speed down my last half hour. And I used to tell Dad, it was like, one day I can get a three-hour show. And he was like... <laughs> 
let's do that night show. So uh, I wasn't keen to it. I ain't gonna lie, because I don't know I'm being up late like that. But uh, it worked out great. And then Robin came in, and we were magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What we had on that microphone was straight up magic. And uh, it's very rare that you come across somebody that you click with immediately. Uh, I've never had a co-host on a show, really. I've had people that have come on my show and been correspondents, but I've never had a co-host. Robin came in and just set it off. And we, I'm telling you from jump, we were phenomenal. And um, we did that for a while. And then um, my incident happened and I came back. Uh, Robin started doing the raw reports in the afternoon. And uh, I came back and we, we blazed that thing up from February to June, June, yeah, June, and uh, I knew it was time. I knew it was time. After the incident, I knew God was God had been talking to me, and He was like, "You know, we got plans, right? You ain't just here to do radio, you know that." I'm like, I know, but how are we ready? And got on top. Miss Wanda, let me. Uh, I'm trying not to get emotional today. Listen, right. that there's somebody that's listening right now. You know what I'm saying? And they got they got something on their mind that they've always wanted to do. And you're asking why? Because I can't. I got bills. I got kids. My health ain't right. How much do you really want it, though? How serious are you about doing it? Huh? And is God's name on it? Because if God's name ain't in it, I don't want it. You stay prayed up. You stay faithful. You stay on your path. Get rid of the nonsense around you, the stresses, like I said. And tell God, Tell I'm telling you, I made a promise to God. You put me in Los Angeles, I'm going to do your bidding every moment I'm there. And what he is doing right now is everything that he promised me. So if you're somewhere right now just struggling and you don't know what you want to do, you, you're working in a cubicle every day, you can't stand that stupid boss of yours that be putting you on hours that you cannot stand him or her. Maybe they're too young. You got an 18-year-old manager or something. They ain't got nan experience, but they're telling you what to do every day. I'm telling you, don't go thinking that it's too late for the next phase of your life. I'm a middle-aged black man here, okay? And my dream is coming true again because I've kept God in front of me, just like, show me. I'm not gonna let you down if you do this for me. I'm on my knees every night praying, every night. And don't say, I pray in the car. I pray when I'm at the gym. No, 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 I'm on my knees every night isolating myself, having an intimate conversation with him, telling him what I need and how much I appreciate So don't go thinking that it's over. You ain't got to die with that company. If you left that company today, they would replace you tomorrow and wouldn't look back. Wouldn't look back. They would keep it moving. My company don't care about you. They care how much money you make. They couldn't care less about you. Surround yourself with people that care about you, love you, and keep God first in your life, and you're going to be all right. I am the living dream right now. Okay? And 
Miss Wadi, you making me emotional today, not today. <laughs> you making me. I'm like, that's a wrap. The show's over. Done. Like that those words, first of all, they resonate with me. Right? I shared with you and the, the full circle family knows I work a nine to five. And I've been sharing with you and the Full Circle family about this pull to leave. I want to leave. Yeah. I want to do what I'm called to do full time. It's not, it's nothing. It's not a pride thing. It's not anything, but it's scary. It's a scary thing to leave the safety and comfort. And that's not just a job. That's anything. It's a relationship. Anything that's no longer serving you. Mm. Even though it may not be serving you. It's still scary to put that down because we don't know what's on the other side. Mm. But what's on the other side are the things that God's called you to do, right? Are the things that once you let go, doors will open up that you won't even imagine. Right. And you'll also be able to reflect back and see, man, I was holding on to this. And now when I let go, I see how it held me back. And how I can grow forward. Mm. And it's just your words were just really, really impactful that it's not too late, that it doesn't matter how old you are. If that thing like, you know, uh, my first guest on the Men on the Move series, um, Leon Guidry, he does our smooth jazz on Sundays. And Leon and I were talking and I was like, it, it is so scary that your radio journey really aligns with mine and yeah. we'll share we can share that later but it's scary I mean, some, it's gone it, yeah i mean it's the way the story you told and that's why you saw me so expressive because i was like that's me that that happened to me that was me but anyway i was telling him that i walked away from radio i wanted to you know i had a son i needed to feed my child but ne it never left and it's not even just radio. It's serving people in this way of facilitating conversation. It's yeah. helping people find that thing that serves them so that they can do what they do for their lives. And that's the premise of Full Circle. But all of that never left. I mean, I got to, you know, feed my son. I got to do this. I'm not going to do that. And it just gnawed at me and gnawed at me and gnawed at me until I got my first gig at the first hip hop uh, station in, in Sacramento. Wow. And it grew from there. But it was at the point where I had to either say, are you going to do the dream? Or are you going to just let it die on the vine? Come on. And I had to do it. And it was as some of it was at the sacrifice of my son. I was a single mom, but I was working those midnight to five shifts overnight, board mm -hmm. hopping, stacking wow. cards, all of those things, doing promotions, setting up the promotions, the whole thing. Wow. Because there was something in me. And I used to always tell my son and even tell him now, I did that for you. I wanted to show you to not let anything stand in your way of your dream. Mm. To follow your dream when you have it and don't let it don't don't put it down until you're done with it if that's you know what i mean like do it until you're do it to the fullest mm. and don't let anything stand in the way of that mm. and you know it's just i want the full circle family to know the same thing that it's possible it doesn't matter how old you are. I think about Samuel L. Jackson. He didn't get discovered until he was 45, 46 years right. old. You know, we think about other people that are, you know, older and are doing things. 
or you know just doing things period wherever they started doesn't matter wherever you started doesn't matter as long as you get started and i'm gonna echo what you said just do something do the mm-hmm. thing do the thing I, I don't no no you that right there <laughs> i'm sorry I didn't, oh. I didn't mean to go to the left but those are the bookends no those yeah. are the bookends of this whole conversation right there yeah look I, somebody's listening right now and they're scared like you said mm-hmm. i know it's tough if you have bills but i get it when yeah now, if when because you're gonna be saying that every day until it's too late I don't know because of that. I don't know because I don't know. Okay. When? Why not now? God damn, do it. And trust me, there's resources to help you get there. Regardless of what industry you're trying to break into, there's resources. There's black-owned businesses and industries, community organizations that will help you establish whatever business or whatever industry you're trying to get into. Don't think you always are by yourself out there. There's yeah. always, especially in the city of Los Angeles down here, there's always people out there to help you get there. You're never by yourself. And it's not even just about entrepreneurship. It's about getting out of that marriage that no longer serves you or that relationship. It's oh, about yeah. going back and getting your education if a degree is something that's always wanted to be in your path. It's mm-hmm. about being a painter or being a creative if that's if you were working a nine to five in a cubicle every day and, and you have the creative expression in you. It's about doing that. It's about doing whatever you are called to do. So so when we say this, it's not just about entrepreneurship. It's about following your heart and what's in your right. heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you you blend in relationships too. That yes, if you ain't got the right person on your arm, you also ain't gonna get that. They can't be jealous of you. They can't be trying to hold you back. Nothing. You gotta have the right person on your arm that understands once again that understands the vision, and you guys will go into it. It ain't just financial, like you said. The monetary benefits will come. But with me, it's not even about monetary benefits. It's about impact. I need to impact my community, yeah. especially here in the city of Los Angeles. And I'm hoping anybody that's listening is trying to do something, at least what you're doing, make sure it's, there's an impact attached to it instead of just chasing the bag all the time. I told my sons years ago, I don't care if you've got to live with three friends in a small one-bedroom apartment for a little while. Chase your dream, what you want to do. Don't be worrying about that money, man. If you chase the bag, you're going to be... At the at the height of my, my career, I was making double six figures. Honest to God, I was miserable doing it, though, in the building industry. Miserable. I'm telling you, go chase what you want to do. It may not make as much money. Maybe. Or it may make a ton of money. But go do what you got to do. Thank God my sons are doing what they've always wanted to do. Doing pretty well financially on that, too, but... Chase your dream. Don't worry about the bag. You chase the bag, you're going to be miserable in 10 years' time. I promise you. I'm going to get to these rapid fires real quick, and then I'm going to let you go. First question, what are you reading, or what book has impacted your life? Uh, The Bible. Y'all knew the answer to that question. Stop it. (laughs) The Bible. Sorry. Look, I'm in my Bible bag right now. I, uh, you know, ever since the incident, uh, y'all can't tell me nothing. You really can't. I'm so bulletproof right now. It's just like, I, I know where I'm headed. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know who I want in my life. I know. And that book, that Bible, like I said, whatever God you serve, I can't tell you by no God you serve. I can only tell you what Jesus has done for me. And I got testimony 
that even medicine can't explain. So I don't know, but the Bible, I've been reading up. And thank God I got a circle of people around me that understand that too. Yeah. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, Follow your dreams early. Remember I told you I was a little late to discovering the talent, the, the, the wealth of talents that I think I have. Um, and that was because, you know, I was chasing a bag. Uh, I jumped in that building industry when I was 20. And I stayed in that thing for 20 years. And the bag was beautiful. But meanwhile, my actual dreams that will impact the community, uh, you know, took a side. Uh, we're laying on the side. You know, I did it like I did radio part time for a while. It's just like, and everybody's like, man, you should, you should get a full time show. And you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. And um, I think that's what I would tell my younger self. Don't wait this time. Do it now. Yeah. What words of wisdom do you have to share with the next generation? Oh, I think we already talked about it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, don't give up on us older folk, for one. And if you have any issue that you're dealing with right now, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we may not have all the answers, but I promise you, we are on the road to finding the answers. And don't let these people get you down, especially young kings and queens out there. The, the misrepresentation of you guys all throughout media in 2023 is really nauseating to me. And let's let's do a better job in making that better over the coming years, months, years, decades even. Because I'm troubled by what I'm seeing, but I don't see older black people helping along the way. So... I'm hoping that we can get to a point where there's a more positive representation of young kings and queens out there. If you could have one do-over, how would you use it? (laughs) A (laughs) do-over? Woo! We should have got some sleep last night. That's do-over. A do-over. Man, it's tough to say because God has been so good to me. Like, even through my pitfalls, boy, God has shown me, like, you needed that pitfall. It's tough to say. Um, I wish I would have, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw a curveball on this. I wish I would have sought out my father. Yeah. I know that that sounds weird after what I've told you. Let me tell you what God has done in my heart in short is I have such a wealth of forgiveness in my heart these days. I don't think that I can consider myself to be a man of faith and have hatred in my heart for anybody. And I told myself this year, I think I'll make that call. I think I am. My father and I have not spoken since I was 19 years old. I tried to fight him in in our living room when I was 19 years old. And uh, I I think that's one of those things that if I had a do-over, I would have tried to mend that relationship sooner because not only do I want my kids to know who their grandfather is, you cannot call yourself a person of faith and harbor any hatred for anybody, not just mother or father, anybody. And I pride myself on being somebody that loves all. So that's what I would do. Danny, this has been the last question was, what do you want your legacy to be? But you, you've already talked about what you want your legacy to be is to leave it all on the earth, leave it all on the mic, leave it all out yes. there, be expended when you leave this earth. That's exactly right. I want them to say that at my funeral. Danny did everything he could 
to change the community and impact this world. Everything he could. He left it all on the court. That's what I'm trying to do. This has been an amazing conversation, more than I ever dreamed of. Thank you again, Danny, for saying yes to being part of the Men on the Move series. Follow this brother on social media. He's getting ready to do some big things, and he promised to come back when he's ready to share more. So I'll, make, uh, I'll take a step further. I'm coming to Sacramento. I'm doing it. Come on. Come on. He's coming to Sacramento to, to tell us more about what he's doing. Make sure you follow him at Danny Mo Show on Instagram, and you can get inspired. Show the brother your love and support. Let him know you heard it here on Full Circle and that he's now part of the Full Circle fam and you're part of the Danny Mo Show fam. He's doing big things in the community. Family, that's how we're doing it. Show love to everyone you meet and I'll see you next week. Peace. This has been Full Circle. Follow our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5.